0: okay let's see what god's word has to say to us today in those days caesar augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire roman world this was the first census that took place while quirinius was governor of syria and everyone went to his own town to register so joseph also went up from the town of nazareth in galilee to judea because there was no room for them at the inn. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, which is an animal's feed box. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest that's where we got our Gloria in excelsis Deo from glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds said to one another let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about so they hurried off which were just as they had been told. Let's pray
1: together and we'll get into God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, that you are a good God. Thank you that we uh, see that uh, as we look to the cross. Um, but thank you that our world stops, our, our country stops, and we can celebrate not, not just the cross, but the fact that you entered into our world. So we pray now that wherever we're at, whatever week we've had, however we feel about Christmas, whether Christmas is something that excites us or something that is hard for us, we pray that wherever we're at this morning, that we would hear your word, that we'd be challenged by who you are and what you've done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of our Christmas traditions in our home at this time of year is Elizabeth and I on Christmas Eve go Christmas light looking. Now, I know it sounds lame. I know for many of you it sounds like the worst thing you could possibly do and maybe even a little bit cheesy, but we like it. And I feel like if you can get away with cheesy things, it's this time of year, like wearing Christmas shirts and going Christmas light looking. So so we go, and one thing we enjoy is the, the best lights in you know our area. So we look it up, we find the 10 best lights or whatever, and we go and look at some what what some guy who's going through his midlife crisis has been working towards for the last six months we enjoy that but something else we enjoy is that you can pretty much bank on seeing some sort of dodgy nativity scene in these lights i reckon about half of the christmas lights there is some form of dodgy nativity scene whether it's you know reindeer mary and reindeer joseph with reindeer jesus or my favorite the simpsons with you know homer and marge and maggie is the baby jesus But something you can bank on is some sort of dodgy nativity scene. So to prepare myself this week for Saturday night, which is Christmas Eve, I thought I would Google the worst nativity scenes. So for our joy here this morning, I found the three worst nativity scenes I can guarantee you'll see in your life. So coming in at number one is this one, some sort of pebble, hand-painted thing. I don't know what that is, but someone is calling that a nativity scene. Coming in at number two is this one, uh, you can tell, like, like, at least to be fair, they're trying to bring in the meaning of Christmas. But while this time of year is good, you know, you can get away with a little bit of cheese. They are pushing the boundaries on this photo. But coming in at number one, and I can't really talk this up uh, any more than I already have. Number one is the greatest, the worst nativity scene you'll see in your life. Can't talk it up. H- here it is, number one. Someone somewhere in the world is calling that a nativity scene. Just soak that up for a second. That's four bits of clay. Someone somewhere is calling it a nativity scene. So I don't think, I think I'm prepared for... Saturday night. I don't think I'm going to see a worse nativity scene than that. But if I do, I promise I'll put it online for you to enjoy. Because something you can bank on at Christmas time is seeing an ordinary nativity scene, right? Whether it's at Christmas lights, whether it's on a Christmas shirt, whether it's on Christmas cards, whether you came to church this morning and saw out the front a pretty ordinary nativity scene, which I'm thanking God personally that this year will be the last time we see that ordinary nativity scene. Soak it up on your way out. But we will see ordinary nativity scenes this Christmas, right, it, it, we, we will. Whether it is at lights, at you know, in the shops at Garden City, whether it's on the cards you get, we will see ordinary nativity scenes this Christmas. And, and so the challenge for us is, as we meet together as a church, as we try and reclaim and, and redeem Christmas, the, the challenge for us is how do we in a world that gives us ordinary nativity scenes with pretty ordinary baby Jesus figurines and dolls, how do we in this world where we see this ordinary nativity scene over and over again recognize and remember that this baby is not ordinary at all? Right? It's actually a real challenge for us. It's actually something we need to work hard at. We need to fight for. Because if we're not careful, right, we will just look at the the Jesus with complacency. We'll look at the ordinary figurines as they really are ordinary. So so how do we recognize there's more to it? Well, if you have your Bibles there, we actually see this in Luke, where we get the real account of what's going on. A little bit different to the video, but not that much, really. So if you have your Bibles there today, have them open in Luke chapter 2, because this is where we see that Jesus is not ordinary. And Luke begins the story in chapter 2, verse 1. He went there to register with David who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So so in a world where we see ordinary nativity scenes all the time, where the baby Jesus, dolls and figurines we see are well and truly ordinary. We celebrate that Jesus is far more than ordinary. He's extraordinary, and yet when we see this story, this account of the first seven verses of how the birth take pl- took place, the way Luke tells it is actually pretty ordinary, right? I don't know if you you pick that up there, but these first seven verses—it's actually almost overwhelmingly ordinary this isn't making reality tv this isn't making the news you get none of the details that you want to see in these seven verses right if you blink you'll miss it basically there's a census david goes he's of the line of david mary has a child there's no room in the inn that's it, it it's actually pretty ordinary Right, It's not making reality, re- reality TV. There's no details that we want to see. There's no weight of the baby. There's no name even of the baby. There's no exact location. Is it a cave? Is it a stable? What does it look like? There's not even any record of the fight that would have taken place when Mary figured out Joseph didn't book a room in the inn. There's none of the details we actually want to see. It's, it's ordinary. This isn't making the news. Right? This story, if this happened today, it's not making the news, not like that story we saw this week of the lady who had a baby a day after being told she was pregnant. I don't know if you saw that. Right? that that's a newsworthy article being told wrongly that she was two months pregnant, overnight goes into labour, finds out the doctor was wrong. She's eight months pregnant and has the baby the next day. That's a news story to write home about right that's something to get excited about a birth story to get excited about what we've got in these first seven verses is actually pretty ordinary it it really is ordinary and so we've got to ask the question if we're trying to figure out in a world full of ordinary baby jesus dolls and figurines and whatever else if we live in a world of ordinary nativity scenes how is this going to help us because this too is ordinary But we've got to realize pretty early on that the birth is not really what we're celebrating. Not really the nativity scene, it's actually who the baby is. Right, and we we know that and we actually see that as we keep working through the passage. We're not really stopping and just celebrating a birth in a manger or stable or an animal trough, whatever it is. We're celebrating the baby and we see that the baby is a big deal, that Jesus is a big deal. From verse 8 to 20 we see it's a big deal and we see it from how people react, how the characters react in the story. So if you have your Bibles there, again, we'll see three reactions from verse 8 to 20. This is what it says from verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God appeared, sorry, with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. In a world of ordinary nativity scenes, we celebrate that Jesus is not ordinary. And we see that clearly here from the three reactions that we get in this passage. The reactions of the angels, the shepherds, and then of Mary. So let's start with the angels. Now, first of all, we've got to get our picture of what an angel is, right? I don't know what you think of when you think of an angel. Maybe it is the dude in the video at the start wearing white, singing out of key and sort of weirdly in Latin for some reason. Maybe that's your picture of an angel. Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's um, the, the picture of just someone dressed in white with angel wings, you know, hunting around for some good sweet chili filly because that's the picture we get sometimes on TV. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you've been lucky enough to watch Touched by an Angel, classic 90s TV lately because you've been sick and, and or, or just at home on holidays and you've gotten to watch that. And so your picture of an angel is just an ordinary-looking person that when they do something nice, light shines on them. I don't know what your picture of a, an angel is. Maybe you've actually been given a picture of an angel kind of subconsciously as you've been walking around coals this Christmas time, because we actually get a picture of what these angels are like in some of the carols we hear. We even sung sort of about it earlier on today in Gloria in Excelsis Deo or whatever you call that. Um, now, you have to hear me here. I love carols. I love all sorts of carols. Um, I love Christmas time. Uh, I even love this carol, even though I've been singing it for 25 years without knowing what the chorus is. I do love this carol, but a version of this carol actually gives us a bad picture of what the angels look like. So not the one we sung earlier, uh, a different one. And before we get there, just to save you Googling it, Gloria in Excelsis, as Elizabeth said before, is glory to God in the highest, right? There you go. You know you're welcome at Christmas time. Wow, you're friends with that one. But here's what this picture of the angels that it gives us in this uh, this, uh, carol. So here it is. Angels we have heard on high singing sweetly through the night and the angels the the mountains sorry in reply echoing their brave delight so a different version to the one we sung before but still the version we get at Cole's now the the way that this carol uh, is painting the angels is really just that it's all kind of lovely and beautiful right they're singing sweetly through the night And the mountains are echoing their reply. It's all beautiful. I mean, the picture in my head is like they're holding hands, skipping along the countryside, playing hopscotch, singing, humming the tune of In Excelsis Deo. The problem with that, though, is the picture we actually get of the angels in Luke chapter 2. I don't know if you saw that, but when the angels turn up, it's not this beautiful picture on the countryside where people are playing hopscotch. The picture is that it's terrifying. It's frightening when the angel shows up. And in verse 13, when there is a great company of angels, it's literally this idea of a great army of angels. An army of angels has shown up. And yes, they're praising God, but they are saying glory to God in the highest. Now, I don't know why in excelsis deo is in Latin. I don't think they would have been saying that in Latin. You can argue with that with someone else. I mean, I don't care enough about it, but... They say, Glory to God in the highest. They are celebrating this, and the picture of the angels is not a sweetly one. It's a frightening picture. It's a terrifying picture. But we see their reaction here, don't we? We see the angels' reaction, and as we see their reaction to this this baby being born, we see that this baby is no ordinary baby. And what we see is, we, we do actually see their reaction. We see their reaction here, the angels, how they respond to this baby being born which is interesting here. See, I grew up thinking for some reason that angels were like God, all-knowing, all-powerful, they could do whatever they want. But while angels are unlike us in many ways, they know who God is, they know who Jesus is, they aren't all-knowing, they aren't all-powerful, they're different to God. And so when the angels turn up here, I don't think they know the full story of what's going on. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, when Peter's saying the gospel, he's telling them about the good news. He, say, he says, of this, angels long to look into this. So when the angels turn up here, when they're praising God here, I don't think they know how the story unfolds. But they do know that this baby's no ordinary baby. They do know that this is Jesus who they've been celebrating, worshipping for thousands of years. I mean, can you imagine eavesdropping in on a conversation? What's he doing here? He made the world. We saw that happen. How come he's here in the flesh as a baby? And yet whatever happens, they get that this is a big deal. They celebrate. They say, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And so the angels show us this is no ordinary baby. The angels respond, react in amazement because this is no ordinary baby. So that's the first response we get from the angels. The second one's from the shepherds. Now, again, we got to get the shepherd picture right in our head. For some reason, the picture of a shepherd that I have in my head is some kid holding a lamb. Pun intended. Angus, Merry Christmas. That was a good pun. Not as good as the one a few weeks ago. I promise I'll stop from now on. But but my picture legit in my head is of, of a of some kind of boy holding a lamb on his shoulders, right? Like just some kind of... But, but that's a wrong picture of what a shepherd is. That's not a shepherd in the Bible because shepherds had to fight off lam... Uh, had to fight off, not lambs, had to fight off lions and bears. Shepherds were, had to be big enough to fight off lions and bears. So the picture's not of a little boy here. It's actually of a of sort of a grown man. I think today's version is probably a tradie. Right, so you can kind of imagine they're sitting around these shepherds. They, they've had a hard day's work. Their hands are rough. They're sinking their third ice break for the day because they've got to stay through the night. They've got to look after their sheep. They've probably still got blood on their shirt from the lions and the, the bears they've been fighting off. They're joking about how the apprentice shepherd couldn't find the left-handed staff. Right, This is the picture of the shepherds here. They're grown men. They've just fought off lions and bears. And yet when the angel turns up, They're terrified. Their response there, they are frightened. This is no ordinary thing that's happening here. The angels turn up. They're not singing sweetly in the night. The angel turns up and they are terrified by what's happening. We see that in verse 10. They are frightened. They've just been used to fighting off lions and bears. They don't frighten them, but the angel turns up and they're terrified. But the angel speaks into their fear. And we see that in verse 10. The angel says, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news literally the gospel i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people and what is that good news verse 11 today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he is christ the lord the the good news that the angel is giving to the shepherd is that today the savior has been born the christ has been born The Lord has been born. Three titles, and you probably can't get bigger than these three titles. So let's work backwards here. The Lord, what the angel is saying to the shepherd here, is is literally this idea that God is born. The creator, the sustainer, the sovereign God is born today in a town of Bethlehem. So, So God's born. Christ, literally this idea that the king is born. Right, the one that Old Testament spoke about, prophesied about, looked forward to. The king is here. The one who will rule God's people, look after God's people, lead God's people. And then the savior, it's this idea that the healer is here. The healer, the healer of the, bro- of the physical and the spiritual. The healer of the broken. The one who will fix the brokenness in this world. And as we think about it, we know the world's broken. We feel that. I mean, Christmas for many of us is a reminder of the brokenness in, a, in this world. But the healer is here who will fix the brokenness in this world, the sickness, the suffering, the sadness, but also the sin. And if we follow the story, we see that at the cross. We celebrate and enjoy how Jesus died on the cross to heal sin, to fix the brokenness. And he rose again to fix the problem of death. And so we celebrate that the healer is here, the savior is here, right? This is no ordinary baby. This is no ordinary baby. And so, so I want you to, for a second, to imagine this. You're a shepherd. You're sitting around. You've had a hard day's work, right? Five minutes ago, you've been enjoy- You've been s- laughing at how the lamb is struggling, you know, being chased by the dog, right? That's where you're at. And then an angel appears and tells you, "God's here. The King's here. The Savior's here." How do you respond? You pull your phone out, right? take a video. You want to get that online. You want someone to enjoy that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you take notes of it. What do you do in that moment? Maybe you're skeptical. And you ask the question, well, how do we know God's here? How do we know the King's here, the Savior's here? To which the, the angel responds in verse, 13, in verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. There's a sign here for you. You want to know this is real? Go and see the baby for yourself. And so when the angels disappear in verse 14 uh, and 15, the shepherds decide, let's go and see the baby. So 16, we see them, see the baby. 17, they spread the news. And then in verse 20, the shepherds return glorifying and praising God because the shepherds, ordinary guys, recognize that this baby is no ordinary baby. He's a big deal, this baby. He's God, he's the healer, he's the king. This is no ordinary baby. And so we see from these reactions, the angel gets that this is no ordinary baby, the shepherds get that this is no ordinary baby, and last of all, we see Mary gets that this is no ordinary baby. I I love how Mary responds here in verse 19. Mary treasured up all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. I like that response. I mean, Mary's probably a teenager at this point. I know what the biggest things, maybe you're in that sort of teenage period of your life. I don't know what the biggest things, if you're not and you're past that, were when you were a teenager. But what Mary's going through here is a pretty big deal. She's just been told she's had baby to God, to the king, to the healer. I mean, that's, that's a big thing to soak in. And so she, so she stops, she soaks it up, she treasures it. Because Mary too gets that this is no ordinary baby. Mary too responds in amazement in her own way. She understands that this is no ordinary baby. And so the angels show us that this is no ordinary baby. The shepherd shows us this is no ordinary baby. Mary shows us this is no ordinary baby. We too have to see this is no ordinary baby. We have to see that here this morning. Right, I I know one of the hardest things for us is the fact that we will see this Christmas a lot of ordinary nativity scenes. A lot of ordinary baby Jesus dolls. A lot of ordinary baby figurines. And the tendency for all of us will be to see them and to move on with complacency. I mean, I do that all the time. I think it's impossible to stop and soak it up every single time we see a nativity scene. I mean, I wish I could say that the last time I was at Garden City and saw the nativity scene, I just wept over who Jesus was. But I didn't, I moved on, right? I didn't even think about it as I was Googling the worst nativity scenes. Didn't even think about Jesus and who he is. Just thought about who is making these things, right? That's all I'm thinking. The challenge for us, the reality for us is we will see a bunch of ordinary nativity scenes this Christmas and we will move on. We'll move past those ordinary baby Jesus dolls and figurines and cards. I don't think the challenge for us is to actually stop and soak it up every time we see it. I don't think that's even something that we can achieve. But I do think the challenge for us is that at some point this Christmas, we do need to stop and soak up and like Mary, treasure the fact that Jesus is no ordinary baby. At some point this Christmas, we have to soak up the fact that this is God. This is King. This is the Savior, the healer, the one who will fix this broken world. At some point this Christmas, we've got to stop and do that. The more we do it, the better. There's one week to go. That's crazy. But at some point, we've got to stop and soak up Jesus is no ordinary kid. He's God, he's King, and he's the Savior. And I think one way to do that is as we meet together, we celebrate that fact. We sing normal songs as well as carols, which we'll sing in a moment, to celebrate Jesus is no ordinary baby. But another way is to remember how the story goes on. Jesus didn't save us as a baby. He saved us as a grown man. He saved us as he went to the cross. And earlier this year, we looked at Philippians. And in Philippians 2, we get this picture That Jesus is the saviour, he's the king, and he's God. It's in Philippians 2. You might have heard it before, but this is what it says. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. See, he's God, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Right? This is the baby we celebrate. He's God. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He's our saviour. But he rose again, and God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Catch this. To the glory of God the Father. Glory to God in the highest. That's what the angels say. That's what we will say one day when we see our King reigning in every knee, bowing to our King. This is no ordinary baby. He's our God, He's our King, He's our Saviour. Let's celebrate that. Let's remember that. Let's fight for that this Christmas. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that He came into this world. Thank you that um, the God, the Saviour, the King entered into humility, was born in an ordinary animal trough, under an ordinary roof in kind of ordinary circumstances, but we praise you that this baby is not ordinary. We celebrate that. We remember that. We enjoy that fact that our God, our Saviour, and our King did something to fix this broken world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.